Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Singapore does not fuck around with punishments. And one of the scariest punishments in Singapore is caning. So when you imagine caning, what do you imagine exactly? So depending on what school you've been to or where you're from, you might not have ever experienced caning, but in schools, it isn't too bad. It's really more about the public humiliation than anything. So they bring you up onto a stage and then the whole school is there. And usually it's like the discipline master, he leans you over a desk and sometimes there's even like a file or book stuffed into your pants on your butt to make sure that you don't actually get physically hurt. And not that anyone asked, but I went to a very Chinese primary school and this boy got caned for getting into a physical fight with another boy over a girl outside the teacher's offices. Which is very dumb. So anyway, that's like school caning. But prison caning is nothing like that at all. In prison, the caning can get so intense that they literally have a medical officer there and people faint. In prison, the caning isn't done by any random prison guard. The caning is done by carefully selected caning officers. And the caning officers are generally fit, well-built, the kind of person you would swipe right on on Tinder. And a lot of the caning officers chosen, they usually have some sort of martial arts background, like they have like a first black belt or they have like BJJ training. And literally on top of their martial arts background and their physical fitness, they literally have specialized training to learn how to cane effectively and how to cane efficiently. So the cane is made of rattan, which is a kind of very flexible wood, and it's usually about half an inch thick and 1.2 meters long, so that's about 4 feet. Usually, the night before the caning, the cane is soaked in water so that it's nice and bendy and so that it won't leave splinters. And then, with this very thin, very long stick. The caning officers, they whip it at a speed of up to 160 kilometers an hour. And, you're, and if you're American, that's 99 miles an hour. And so the force, the impact of the cane is about 880 newtons. So that's very intense. Now imagine you're the prisoner they don't tell you when you'll be caned. So maybe you have a sentence of like five years. You, they don't tell you when in that five years you'll be caned. So usually if your crime is bad enough to warrant a caning, you will be in prison as well. And so you live with that anxiety throughout your prison term. And then one random day, you'll go for a physical. And if you're physically okay, if you're physically fit, you will be brought to be caned. And the prison officers will confirm with you the number of strokes of the cane. And then 
you're stripped naked and you hop onto something called a flogging frame which if you look at photos of look, looks a little bit BDSM-y and usually after about three strokes your skin will disintegrate and then you'll start to bleed and so the maximum number of strokes of the cane you can get in Singapore is 24 strokes of the cane and usually after that your ass is like a bloody piece of meat and people who have been caned before they say it's unbearable they say it's like getting hit by a truck like a hot iron they say that the pain is beyond description and because you know we're not complete savages Singapore is still a modern society you get antiseptic painkillers and antibiotics after your caning session and it takes anywhere from a week to a month to heal and during that time you can't sit down you can't lie on your back you'll probably still bleed and usually the scarring is permanent so anyway caning really sucks and you don't want to be caned in singapore so caning is usually reserved for violent crimes and like what's deemed as the worst crimes in singapore so violent crimes like rape, murder, and in Singapore, drug trafficking. But there are a couple of notable cases. But there is one notable case that we're going to go into today, where an 18-year-old American was sentenced to caning for vandalism. Hi, I'm Teddy, and welcome to A Brief Case. Today, we're covering the case of Michael Michael Fay was born on 30th May 1975, so he's actually pretty old now, he's about 47. He was born in St. Louis, Missouri in the US to George Fay and Randy Chan. So we don't know much about his early life, but we do know that he had ADHD and his parents got divorced when he was 8. So from what I read about his childhood, it seems pretty bougie. So he attended a private boarding school in Pennsylvania and he lived mostly with his dad after the divorce. But then later, when his mom got remarried to a Chinese-American, Marco, he moved to Singapore with his mom, Randy, and his stepdad, Marco. Because Marco had been assigned to hit the regional operations of a company called Federal Express. And so they lived in a nice apartment, a pretty fancy apartment, on the 21st floor of Regency Park Condo. Now he enrolled in the Singapore American School, which is a very expensive international school. At that point of time, it was like a $10,000 a month tuition. So well, most international schools in Singapore are expensive. So for his grades, which would have been like middle to high school, when you check today, it's like forty-two dollars to $44,000 a semester, not including extracurriculars, which Michael did. So Michael played baseball and football, but even though his family was like comfortable, he also worked so he could have fun money. So sometimes he worked as a waiter at the Hard Rock Cafe Singapore. Now we need to fast forward to 1993. So no government is perfect and no country is perfect. But I think things are going pretty well if the big problem in the country is vandalism. And in 1993, vandalism was apparently our big national problem. 
So to be honest, when I first heard about this case, I was maybe in primary, secondary school. And I thought that the vandalizing was maybe like spray painting the cars. And for some reason, I thought it was like MRT cars, not actual cars. Because it made more sense that this would be a big deal if it was damage of national property. But actually, the spray painting of MRT cars was someone else. So it, the so there was this Swiss national called Oliver, but we're not talking about him this week. I'm not saying that damage of private property isn't bad also. Like, I would be very sad if my car got damaged. But I think the problem is that a lot of people don't have the clearest idea of what happened, myself included. So what actually happened was that Michael Fay and his friends, they had a little gang. And this was a group of 16 to 19 year olds from the Singaporean American School and the ISS International School. And as far as we know, there are reports that they started vandalizing people's cars from 18 September 1993. And while it was in fancy areas like Balmoral Park, Chancery Hill Road, Andrew Road and Thompson Road, which again is a bit stupid because they were vandalizing cars around the area that they lived in. They weren't just vandalizing the cars of rich people, they also damaged taxis, which is super douchey because that's people's job, you know? So, let's take like a little digression. From researching this case, it feels like when it was reported on by Western media, it feels like they wanted to minimize what he and his friends did, but we're gonna try to be a bit more real about it, okay? Like, I have my own opinions on this, but what he did wasn't just spray painting cars. So, this little crew of his, they managed to damage at least 67 cars. There's a lot of cars. And this one guy, he was really unlucky. He got hit like multiple times. He had to have his car refinished like six times. So at some point, maybe you want to leave your car like damaged until the police get down to it so that you don't spend so much money refinishing your car. But maybe he was very rich or so, you know? So they used hot tar, paint remover, spray paint, and hatchets, like those little hammers, like a hatchet. And they smashed a windscreen and like many of the cars that they damaged were found with scratches and dents. So those are like hard to replace. Sometimes you even have to replace like the whole section. And they didn't just vandalize cars, which is a very douchey thing to do. They also stole road signs, which is very dangerous. They stole Singapore flags, which is very disrespectful. And they stole fire extinguishers, which is also very dangerous. And somehow they managed to steal a public telephone booth like the whole booth i don't know how i wish i had a picture i couldn't find a picture and so these were very rich mostly white kids but they also included the son of a hong kong person and a thai diplomat two malaysians an australian a belgian four americans including michael fay and there were also kids that weren't arrested because maybe they left before this whole thing went to police, went to the police. And so Michael Faye did say that one of the signs that the police confiscated from his house was stolen by the son of a Swedish diplomat that left Singapore in September the same year. So how did they get caught? So now they were a little bit dumb, but you have to forgive them for this because they're teenagers. But they kept committing the crime in the same cars. 
and one of the cars that was identified was a red Mercedes, which isn't the most subtle car. Like I think if you are going to do it, you should do it in like a silver Honda Civic, which I think is quite common. And so eventually, they got recognized, and the car is reported. And so the police they start staking out this area because they keep hitting the same areas. And lo and behold, the red Mercedes appears at 4am on 6th of October. And so they have a little bit of a chase, as much of a car chase as you can have in Singapore. And they catch a 16-year-old, Andy Shui Chiho. And so Andy is Chinese from Hong Kong. And his parents, they were both actors. And at that point of time, they were both working for Singapore Broadcasting Corporation. And he was driving the car with an unnamed accomplice and he was arrested. And then he gave the names of the seven other accomplices. So anyway, this is a lesson in don't do crime because maybe if you do crime with your friends and your friends are criminals, they will probably knock you out. So I don't know. I don't know your friends. So literally, the police went to the Singapore American School and while the kids were in class, they arrested the kids. Yeah. And how did they confirm it? Because for all we know, Andy could have been lying about his accomplices. So the police raided their homes and they found the kids after they stole something. Like if they stole a stop sign or if they stole an extinguisher, they would sign the things they stole like a trophy, which is also very stupid. But, you know, kids. Of the nine arrested kids, six were charged, including Michael and it was Michael, another American, the two Malaysians, and an Australian. But the Australian kid, who was like 16, Stephen Freehill, he ran away. So I guess he's at large, maybe. I guess he he can't return to Singapore. His bail was like 1280 which I guess is not bad compared to jail and caning. So now we're not going to go into too much detail because a lot of details for this case were really hard to find. So Andy, the Andy that they caught, he actually went to trial and he pled not guilty, which is a bit dumb because he was caught in the act and they found like evidence. So he got 8 months in prison and 12 strokes, which feels like a lot. And I don't know if they managed to appeal against it, but 12 seems a lot for a non-violent crime and he was like 16. Remember like the Nasi Lemak case that we covered last week? The kids in the Nasi Lemak case got like probation and this 16-year-old kid from Hong Kong is getting 12 strokes of the cane. So I guess the reason why we don't particularly talk about him and the reason why he wasn't reported on as much is because he wasn't American and maybe because he pled not guilty. So Michael and one of the other Malaysian kids took a plea bargain and the Malaysian kid got sent to a boy's home for like two months so that's a very different punishment. And Michael, he had a total of 53 charges and he was sentenced to four months in jail, a $3,500 fine and six strokes of the cane. And then the Western media went wild. They were saying things like caning is an archaic punishment and you know like when you use the cane every stroke flesh will fly like bacon bits from your ass and there were comics like there were articles from the New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times and even the Clinton administration they were like oh come on guys but Singapore being Singapore which is fair was basically like 
we hold our right to uphold our laws and it's not like you didn't know that our laws were kind of strict, you know? And I can't say that I don't think this is fair because I think we're very explicit about how we run our justice system. But but the president at the time, President Ong Ting Chong, he was like, okay, you know what? We have a very we have a good diplomatic relationship with America, and so we'll reduce the caning from four to six, which I thought was pretty generous. So Michael Fay, he served his sentence, he got caned, and then he was released in June 1994. And apparently one very unfortunate thing is that he picked up the habit of sniffing butane in prison and butane is the liquid that's inside lighters and so one day while he was sniffing butane he got burned and because it's like flammable it's lighter fluid he went to rehab got clean-ish but then in 1996 he had a couple of driving incidents including having an open bottle of alcohol in his car in florida and in 1998, while he was still in Florida, he got arrested for weed, but he was acquitted for that and also like it's legal now in America. So I guess it's not really that big of a deal. Anyway, don't worry. So because this story doesn't really have a set ending because, well, I was thinking that for 2023, we tried to be a little bit more positive, right? Because Michael cleaned up his act. In 2005, he went back to school and he went to the University of Central Florida and he got a bachelor's in hospitality administration and management. And now he's a slot operations manager, you know, like pachinko, but like American slots. And he's looking to get promoted to director and he has a pretty great beard, like facial hair, beard. And we all hope that he gets promoted to director in his slot machine career. As always, thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Briefcase. If you are looking for some juicy, juicy content for Valentine's Day this year, me and Rox and Jules from the Asian Soup Podcast, we are going to be looking at 15 first dates with Curtis on the Infatuation Podcast. So if you aren't already listening to the Infatuation Podcast, you should go and listen at least for this Valentine's Day. As always, remember you can drop me a message or tag me at a briefcase podcast on Instagram. And you can also find me online at a briefcasepodcast.com. And do join us next week for another briefcase.